the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. He's just a common man. I actually feel Working like that's something... What's that? I actually feel like that's something more like Vader would come out to like... <laughs> Speaking of fat guys, Louis Anderson passed away today. Meatloaf did too. Yeah, well, I heard Louis Anderson found out we were out of Meatloaf, and that's why he died. Oh, brother. That's brutal. <laughs> too, too soon? Too soon. Uh, yeah, yeah, they both passed away today, unfortunately. Yeah. Me- Meatloaf, one of the great rock and roll singers, and then also was known for Rocky Horror Picture Show, so yes. not too bad. And then Louis Anderson, who was, of course, was known for Life with Louis, the cartoon, and yeah. being one of the worst stand-up comedians I've ever seen. And the one white guy in Coming to America, because Eddie Murphy. Yes, he worked at, he worked him. at. He- yeah, he worked at McDowell's. Yeah, and they told Eddie Murphy when he was making that movie, you need to have a white person. <laughs> and Eddie's like, okay. I've got the perfect guy for you, Louis yeah. Anderson. And then, I don't know, well, what do you always remember Meatloaf for most? I always remember for that song. I would do that out of hell. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I remember most for. All the girls wanted to play that at the high school dances when we were in school. Fucking horrible. Oh, that sounds awful. So, let's talk wrestling. We got... I had hit up people with a couple 531 ideas, and in the process, it looks like we might have done these two before, but we've done so many of them. So I thought, little novel idea, I got lists from just a few people, and we're going to do like a super 531. So the subjects are Cody Rhodes, his greatest matches, and Edge, his greatest matches. And we're going to do Cody first, then we'll do Edge, and then we're going to compare each match and see who had the greatest match of the two of them. Apparently, Cody found out what we were doing mm. because he went on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night and literally listed down the reasons why he's better than Edge. Not Edge specifically, but the reason why he is an icon or whatever. He literally <laughs> made his own list. So and, good for you, Cody. And quick sidebar, too, because you just I just want to talk about it. There's nothing to do with it, especially if we're recording this. You were referencing the Dynamite that just happened. One of my favorite moments in television. I will tell you what I was Tom doing. Tom Moxley telling the fan to fuck yeah, off? Uh, uh, yes, yes. I just got to tell you, I got to set this up now. I'm getting ready to go to bed, and I'm going to watch it the next day because I got all kinds of stuff going on. And I just kind of have it on my phone. So I, can, I, I was like, oh, Moxley's the first segment. I'll, I'll hear what he had to say. And, you know, I got it off to the side. It's TBS. Me and AJ grew up at a time where, like, you don't swear really on TV. No. You better get those premium channels like HBO, Showtime. And so it's like, it's TBS, Sandy Griffin. I don't I don't remember back in the day, Iron Anderson on Saturday night's main event going, fuck, fuck off. Go fuck yourself, you piece of shit. 
I mean, he was great. I literally had to do a double check. Like, what did I just hear? He's like, it's funny. Trouble. They had another. They had a huge rating for this. They had over a, yeah. well over a million people. Their biggest rating since being on TBS. Second and week, but it is yeah, they got momentum going. Yeah, but everybody actually mentions that it, you know it was Sting's first time wrestling yeah. on TBS, stuff like that. Nowhere does it mention on any of the reviews that it was John Moxley's return. No, we that, don't want to that, talk about that. That, that, that might have popped the number a little bit. Did you hear what <laughs> happened? Did you hear what the guy said, though? No, I didn't hear what he said. Okay, so I found out some fan, but it was basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, so forgive me because it's been a day. Get that drunk ass out of the ring. And John heard him. And so John's like, you go fuck yourself. You're a piece of shit. And that's yeah, and the crowd agreed with him, so good oh, for yeah. him. Everybody agrees. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely fantastic stuff. And quite frankly, if you're going to ride somebody for being smart enough to know when they have a problem and go get help, then there's something wrong with you. thousand percent. All right. We did a little pre-show talk here. Let's get to the business at hand. We're going to talk a little Royal Rumble coming up after this, too. We're going to give you fans a bunch of stuff today. My first list, I got Scott from Voluntown, and this will be Cody matches. Cody versus Dustin, double or nothing. This is an interesting one, AJ. You'll pop for this. He's got Cody versus Mr. Brody Lee for the TNT title. Not the dog collar match. That one where Cody got the one where Cody got well, no got straight murdered. Actually, um, to be honest with you, I could see where that would be one of the top matches just because of what Cody did in that match and how he got yes. over Brody Lee. A thousand percent. I agree. I, I was wondering if we, when I first looked at it, I kind of laughed and I thought, you know what? He did something pretty amazing there. And not many people do that. So. That's off. Cody versus Lakazu, the G1 special in the USA 2017. Cody versus Nick Aldis, all in. And I suppose the dog collar match against Brody Lee for the TNT title. I would have to put that in there as well. That's solid. Solid list. What do you got? So I got Mr. Mike Flynn coming in first. He's got Cody versus Dustin at double or nothing. I think we can agree that was a hell of a match. Cody versus Nick Aldis at the NWA anniversary show. Cody versus Jericho from Full Gear. Cody versus Okada, G1 Special, and Cody versus Omega versus Abushi for the King of Pro Wrestling in 2018. I'm seeing a common trend here. I, I don't see any Stardust references or <laughs> early Cody matches on any of these lists thus far. There is one. No, there's no Stardust matches. There is one. Here, I'll go right now to it. Now, this is Jesse from New Hampshire. He's got the Rhodes family versus the Shield at Battleground 2013. Now, Stardust was actually going to come a little after this, I think, yeah. but this was when... Precursor to it. Right. He's, at this time, it's pretty cool because this is the thing where basically Triple H and Stephanie were firing people and they had fired Cody and Dustin came back as Goldust to try mm-hmm. to get his job and Dusty did. And well, it's really the last time you see Dusty on TV before he passes away, unfortunately. Yeah, and he does... Like he look, he's something else to me in this because if you go up and you look at Dusty versus Stephanie McMahon and just type that in, you'll probably find it on a promo. There's a promo where Stephanie was just killing people around this time on the mic. She would totally like blast them and kind of walk them down, and nobody got anything. I remember you remember this time period. She slapped the yeah. shit out of Big Show. He did not. No, I know. Yeah, I was. Dusty, Dusty did not die, unfortunately. He didn't do any of that shit. He threw her hand <laughs> in her face. He looked legit pissed. And everybody, she said afterwards, "Oh, I'd love to work with Dusty again," but they didn't. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that, what, unfortunately, uh, what we'll find a lot with the uh, McMahon family is, is that yeah, we love the way that went. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that time they got happen yeah. again, but that time yeah. it was great. Uh, absolutely amazing stuff that we'll never see again. Yes. Continue with Jesse's list. 
He's got Aldis at all in 2018. Yeah, we're going to see that a couple times here, I think, and this is short because Aldis to me and Cody had great chemistry. I think that Aldis and Cody brought the best out of each other. I really like Nick Aldis and Cody for the NWA world title. I also got Dustin. He's got Cody versus Dustin at Double or Nothing 2019 versus Jericho at Full Gear 2019. And he's got Kingston versus Dynamite July 20. That was obviously Eddie's first time in the company. And obviously, Eddie made a great uh, appearance there. It was a great first time showing. And again, much like that thing with Brody Lee, Cody really good at getting some people over here, too. Yeah, I don't know. Cody has done a great job, whether it's Aleister Black, whether it's Brody. He has done a great job of actually getting over other performers. Sammy Guevara, he's gotten over. I, I know people like to point out that he beat Sammy, but he got him over big time in that match. I have Randy Osgood. Not only do I have his list for this, he's got Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes at AEW double, double or nothing. He's got Cody Rhodes versus Nick Aldis, NWA 70th anniversary show again. Cody Rhodes versus Brody Lee in the dog collar match. Cody Rhodes ver- and Goldust versus The Shield at Battleground. Yes. And then he's got Cody versus, and this is actually going to be on my list also, Cody Rhodes versus Christopher Daniels, Ring of Honor, World, The World, 2017. So Great matches. In fact, I was going to give you Zach's, and then we'll go to your list here. Zach has Cody versus Dustin, Double or Nothing. He's got versus Nick Aldis, the 70th anniversary show. That was the two out of three fall match where Aldis won back the title. Also the debut of Camille. He's got versus Brody Lee. And then he's got Cody and Scroll versus the Golden Lovers, Ring of Honor, New Japan, Honor Rising. And then he also has Sammy Guevara for the recently Holiday Bash, which, spoiler, I have that on my list too. That was, you know, the Christmas show. And I thought there was something really fantastic about Cody and Sammy on that match, Christmas night. And you got David Crockett there to present the title. Pretty cool. And yeah. what you got, buddy? So I actually have two times on my list, actually, Cody versus Christopher Daniels. It, it, the world one is actually a fantastic match. It really is really good. And it shows what they can do as wrestlers. But if you like just a violent match, and it's actually the blow-off match for this feud, November 18th from Survival of the Fittest for Ring of Honor, you've got Christopher Daniels and Cody Rhodes in a Texas death match. Mm. And I, I suggest that you check that out if you haven't. It's Christopher Daniels at his best. It's Cody at his best. And the two of them just are absolutely amazing. Cody was great in this Ring of Honor era, too. All of the matches that I've got on my list are actually Ring of Honor matches. Okay. Right. Or that time period. Sorry, I shouldn't say they're all Ring of Honor. They're all from that time period. I've got him versus Kushida at the Global Wars. Him, and I, As you know, I'm a big Kushida fan. And him and Kushida actually are going for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship for this one, the title. And it's just a hell of a match. It's back and forth. You see Kushida go for his Back to the Future finisher. And Cody actually kept the crossroads for the championship. So that's a hell of a match. Him versus Minoru Suzuki. Now, you would think that their styles don't necessarily go well together because it's not what Cody's are. We think wrong. It's absolutely amazing. Cody does do a good job of actually fighting with him. He does a good job of actually giving it back and forth with him. And it ends up being a hell of a match. Cody does win that one with the crossroads. And then someone who's new to AEW, Jay Lethal, Cody in his mm. promo this week mentioned Jay Lethal and did a great job of telling what an awesome job he does with his version of the cutter. Well, I think the reason why he mentions the cutter in so big is because that final bat from Final Battle 2016, him versus Jay Lethal is an absolutely outstanding match with both of them just trading back and forth. Cody even at one point flips him off while he's laying prone because they've been beating the shit out of each other. It's just a hell of a match and then my last one is christopher daniels best in the world 
I, okay. That to me showed why two of them are two of the best wrestlers in the world in 2017. I'm wondering if it's that lethal match you're talking about too. I think he uh, threw a water on one of the announcers and insulted the crowd. He really like went all heel on that one. No, he but did. The, he he. It is. It's the match where he goes heel, but they don't start off going for going heel. Right. They start right. off with having like a regular wrestling yeah. match. Gives him a low blow. The, the ref goes down. He hits him with the yeah. low blow. He throws water at the announcers, yeah. flips him off while he's laying on the mat. All of a sudden, he went from being both of them babyface wrestling to Cody Rose just full-blown heel. And it was a great turn in the middle of the match. Let me get my list out here real quick then. I got Cody versus Dustin Rhodes as well. This was just a tremendous match. Dustin, Cody, bleeding, the emotion, people chanting Dusty. It's the match they should have got in WWE, but they never did. And they got to do it in AEW. For whatever reason, the WWE just did not seem to want to pull the trigger on that match. And you know they uh, want. And they so didn't see something in Dustin that they yeah. actually let him out of his contract. Yeah, the Rhodes family basically were begging to do this match at WrestleMania, and yeah. WWE just would not allow it to happen. I wonder if there's any regrets after seeing what they actually did. I don't know if there is, but there should be. <laughs> yeah. Brody Lee dog collar match. I thought that was a classic. All in. Nick Aldis. I already said how much I feel about that. I actually had Cody and Dustin versus The Shield Battleground. The reason why I like this match in particular is because The Shield was basically untouchable at this time. They weren't losing at all. And for Dustin and Cody you know, to get some wins on The Shield and eventually win the tag titles, this feud at all was just excellent. That was definitely a fun feud, It's uh, and that could have made my list. My list, basically, I like matches because a lot of times Cody is given a hard time by wrestling fans about what he does in the ring and stuff of that nature. And I just felt like the five matches that I showed were showed more of his versatility. That's I think a, Cody can go in the ring. I don't think he gets to Cody deserves. And I also had Sammy, like I said, Christmas night, TNT. Yeah, I think he made Sam. I, don't get me wrong. Sammy's fantastic. If if, if anything's going to make Sammy, it's being smart enough to leave his fiance for Ty Conte. Oh, Other yeah. than that, it is the matches with Cody that really helps cement him. Mm. I'm looking down here. I see a lot of Cody Aldis matches. I see Cody and Dustin Rhodes. I feel like that's been on here a lot. And maybe a little bit of Cody Brody Lee, I guess. So, But it was funny because we have both Aldis matches. Well, we have both Brody well, Lee matches. Well, that's the problem is, is that they actually weren't the same matches. Right. While they added people to it, they weren't the same matches. They were just combinations of those wrestlers. We'll go. Yeah, I would say personally, I would have to go with the dog collar match. and Tag match and. Probably the what was the other one there? Aldis. Well, Aldis. Yeah. Well, they mentioned Aldis. Go with Aldis. Yeah, go with Aldis. And I would say I like. I know a lot of people like that 70th anniversary show, but I like All In a little bit better. I just think it was more of an atmosphere. Hey, feel like they were all in. Yes. The 70th anniversary is great. It's got kind of an old school vibe. It's two out of three falls. But to me, I just um, like whoever this Joe guy is. He asked us if Cody's matches were his most recent ones. His best and matches were most recent. I, I think most people did go towards the most recent ones. I think I was in the minority going in the 2017, 2016 area. But I, I could definitely say overall it was not his WWF run that got the bigger pops. Absolutely. And then, of course, like we said, Cody and Dustin we had to also make our list. And I got to say the first match I'm going to kick off out of there, rest in peace, would be the dog collar match. because I love uh, Me too. Yeah, I love me some Brody Lee, but I think... I love that match, too, but to me, it's the... It didn't have the story of, of the other two matches. Exactly. 100% agree. I mean, with the NWA title with Aldis, he's going for his dad's 
title. He's going for that title to mean something, and he's going at an event that him and the Bucks legitimately gambled on themselves on. It's pretty big time. At the same time, for me, I don't think it gets more emotional than going up against your own brother and the fans chanting for your father. I, I think that not only is that, and Dustin obviously has had some big matches, oh, yeah. but not only do I think that that's one of the top matches in Cody's career, but I think it's actually one of the top matches in all of Dustin's career. I mean, it's a close second having the fact that we did see Dust in that great moving truck match. That was fantastic. <laughs> but but this, is, this has got to take the number one spot. Yeah, he's talking about the blacktop bully match. That actually yeah, got fired from the one that got him fired from WCW, yes. yes. So we're going to go with Dustin and Cody as our number one match. But we promise we give you a little extra this week. So we're going to do some top five edge matches, and we're going to get to a Rumble preview pretty soon. I'm going to start off with Scott from Voluntown. He's got his favorite edge matches to be Edge and Mysterio versus Kurt Angle. And I do not know if this was what it meant to be. Dave, uh, I think if you're going to suggest that somebody as actually from Voluntown, you should you should say allegedly because nobody deserves to be known as from Val- Voluntown. I should have read this beforehand. It's he has Kurt and reacted No Mercy 2002. I'm thinking he meant Benoit. All right, we're going to go back to that. I'm going to find out what that was. He might mean Judgment Day. I know Judgment Day 2002 was Edge versus Angle. I'm, I'm curious here. So no more. I'll find this out. Anyway, we also have ENC versus the Hardys versus the Dudley Boys. TLC match Mania 17. Edge and Christians versus the Hardy Boys ladder match. No Mercy 99. That one's the one that put them both on the map. And the same team as above. SummerSlam 2000. And then Edge versus Eddie Guerrero. SmackDown 2002. At that time, SmackDown was having some of the best matches on television. It was basically with Edge. Angle, Guerrero, and Benoit all taken terms. In fairness, you can say at that time, but through the history of SmackDown, I think overall they've had the better matches than Raw. Oh, without a question. I'm going to let you go to a list here. I'm going to find out about this No Mercy match, though. I got Mike Flynn, who's allegedly not from Voluntown, and he's got Edge versus Orton versus Cena versus HBK at Backlash 07. He's got Edge versus Cena at Backlash 09. Apparently, he really likes Backlash. Edge versus Angle at Judgment Day, 2002. Edge versus Shelton versus Christian versus Benoit versus Jericho versus Kane at WrestleMania 21. That was Money in the Bank. They didn't specify that, I guess. But that's a money yeah, in the bank. yeah, it was a Money in the Bank match at yeah. WrestleMania 21. Yeah, that's yeah. the one Edge won. Yep. And then Edge versus The Undertaker at 2008 SummerSlam. And this No Mercy match, by the way, was it was probably just the phone fucking with him. But basically, it was Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle versus Edge and Mysterio. And that was for the inaugural SmackDown tag titles at No Mercy. Yeah, I actually have that match on my list. Continuing on, I got Jesse from New Hampshire. He's got SummerSlam 2000 TLC. I believe that's with John Cena. WrestleMania 2000 ladder match. He's got WrestleMania 17, TLC. He's got Cena, TLC, Unforgiven, 2006. And, oh, yeah, that first SummerSlam, 2000. That, was been, that would have been a tag team. My bad. And then he's also got Edge and Ray versus Angle and Benoit. But this is Survivor Series 2002. I've got Randy Osga straight off the farm. Yes. And we've got Edge versus Undertaker, WrestleMania 24. Edge versus John Cena, Unforgiven, 2006. 
Edge and Christian versus the Hardys versus the Dudley Boys TLC WrestleMania 17. We've got Edge versus Eddie Guerrero WWE SmackDown no DQ match from September 26, 2002. And in his number one spot, he's got Edge versus Kurt Angle, Hair versus Hair, Judgment Day 2002. I find this interesting. Edge would go on to win what? I mean, I'm not even sure. I didn't look it up here. It looks like maybe like 11, 12 world titles in WWE yeah. singles world titles. But when we look back at his best matches and there's some world title matches, but it's a lot of it's his TLC run still. Yeah. Yeah. Like people, I just, people love TLC. It's something that has stuck with them. Him, the Hardy boys, Edge and Christian, the Dudleys. I mean, all of their careers still, when they get asked about stuff, it's still TLC. It is. It's kind of like Mick Foley. How many great matches has Mick Foley had and how many people just want to know about hell in the cell? Right. Yeah, yeah, people Mick aren't coming Foley, up to him going, hey, tell me about the boiler room. Mick Foley, to his credit, I mean, that man pulled a good match out of Van Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Alleg- champions. Allegedly. <laughs> no. <laughs> he deserves credit for that one. I will take that, bro. <laughs> I don't know anyone else who's done that. So <laughs> No, that's it. Well, he had help from Abdul the Butcher. I got Zach, St. John. He's got Mania 17 versus the Dudleys and the Hardys. He's got Edge and Ray versus Angle and Benoit. He's got Edge versus Kurt Angle, Judgment Day 02, and he's got Edge versus Undertaker, SummerSlam 08, and Edge versus Mick Foley, Mania 22. And Mick Foley would consider this match his WrestleMania moment, too. And it is a hell of a match. I guess I I'll go next with my list. Yeah, as I say, I think yours is next, and that's it. And I got mine. So, no mercy. Edge and Ray versus Kurt and Chris Benoit on my list. I know it's not always popular, but Chris Benoit, one of my all-time favorites. Kurt Angle, one of my all-time favorites. Edge, I absolutely got nothing but respect for. And then Ray Mysterio. Extreme, extreme rules. I've got Edge versus Jeff Hardy in the ladder match from 2009. I think what Edge and Jeff Hardy did in that match was absolutely phenomenal. Even though it was just the two of them, not everybody else from the TLC matches, the two of them were at their best at that time, and I think they really showed it. WrestleMania 24, Edge versus The Undertaker. I know it's one of Edge's highlights to his career, being able to work with The Undertaker. I felt like they had great chemistry together. I think that for where Edge was at in his career and where The Undertaker was, they were both really still in their prime, and they looked absolutely amazing together. Edge closed the show that year, too, with Undertaker at Mania. Yes. So that's that's a big moment, the main event Mania. And ironically, we were just talking about it, WrestleMania 22, Edge versus Mick Foley, hardcore match. That spear through the ropes, through the flaming table is one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my life. And I think helped to wreck Edge's neck is one of the worst things I've ever seen in why Big E does that all the time, trying to spear people through the ropes, I have no idea. He seems to do it all right, but yeah, it's a scary move. It, it only takes being off by a centimeter to screw up the whole thing. He's a and big man, too. Yeah. I do have one more match here, and this is my all-time favorite edge match. I don't think it gets enough credit when we talk about great matches that have happened in WWE. It is from SmackDown. It is the no DQ match. Him and Eddie Guerrero, especially knowing going forward what the future will bring once Eddie's passed away and working with Vicky Guerrero and looking back at it now, it's to me, it's even more of a special match because I think that that's where that bond started to grow between him and Eddie and the family, him and Eddie Guerrero just had such great chemistry as if Eddie didn't have good chemistry with everybody, right. but still. No, I'm a, we talked about this before. I'm a belt mark. We, we both are. We talk about players. Yeah, and I know absolutely. Eddie only had the belt one time, but when you look legitimately at my best in-ring performers, Eddie's kind of, he should be there. 
Yeah, well, the stories that he told. Every time yeah. he entered the ring, he told the story. Great no matter who he was wrestling, no matter it didn't matter wh- whether he was wrestling a mechanic in the ring or whether he was wrestling somebody who was a giant. No matter who he was wrestling with, there was a story being told. Yeah, uh, and just a ring general. He helped get, build so many careers. You know, he would be producing. You know, he would be helping with the younger generation. And I think that this generation could definitely use it. All right. Well said. I will finish up here. I got Edge versus Foley as well. Mania 22. I got the ladder match before that for Money in the Bank. I mean, Money in the Bank 21. That was Edge's first win at Money in the Bank. First Money in the Bank, I believe, too, actually. Yeah. I, I um, think Ed- for his career, obviously, that's a big moment. Yeah. I think the only thing that kept me from pulling the trigger on it is just because there's so many people involved in it. Right. It Most wasn't it, necessarily yeah. a showcase of his skills so much as it was a showcase of it just getting him over. And and I, I put Edge versus uh, the Elimination Chamber, even though that was a wasn't necessarily a great match. That's where he won his first world title, and he cashed at a New Year's Revolution that year against Cena. TLC Mania 17. That's kind of my favorite out of the TLC matches, and I felt like we had to have a TLC on there. And then I got Unforgiven Edge versus Cena in a TLC match as well, but a one-on-one TLC match. And I think this is one of John Cena's best matches of his yeah. career. And, and I felt bad because I did kind of avoid the TLC matches on purpose. Yeah, just because I knew that that is where he obviously made his name, where he I kind of tried to stay away from him because I wanted to showcase kind of what he could do other than the TLCs. So that's kind of why I went away from the TLCs. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I'm going to put you. I mean, he's continuing to tell good stories today. What he does with The Miz, what he's done with Randy Orton, those two rookies, helping them really grow. Yeah, I'm going to put down his match with Guerrero on here. I think that was fantastic, and I was regretting I didn't put that on there. I really started to remember that match. If you have time today, and I know that you're a busy person, but if if you have time today, go back and rewatch that match on the network. Mm. And I'm telling you, it's a random SmackDown episode, too. Yeah, it's it's worth taking the time. It wasn't the main event, if I recall. No, it was just a random match on the card. And it's just one that has always stuck out to me. And I was a little annoyed, actually, that somebody else had it on their list because I thought that that was going to be my bombshell. Like, yeah. Then I was like, ah, damn it. TLC Mania (laughs) 17 was on a few lists. I think we'll have that one. That's the famous one where Edge actually spears Hardy. Yeah, when he's dangling from the... I think think Mick Foley should actually... Him and Mick Foley, that hardcore match, should also make it. I'll go with that. I was going to put the Cena one, but I like that one too. Because there's not a much story to it, I think I will eliminate the Guerrero one first. As great as the match is in the story of his career, it yeah. only means so much. It, it, if there's one great thing from that match, Edge was still young in his career, and I think it showed him how you can make somebody and how you can actually tell that great story in the ring. And I like to think that it just helped to build him for who he was going to turn into. Well, we, we talked about Cody. We're talking about Edge. We're going to get to Cody again. So top three, then I, okay, we're down to Edge and Foley, WrestleMania 22, and then TLC, WrestleMania 17. Now to me, I think these TLC matches is just what he remembered for. Which is scary that 20 something years later that it's what he's known for with the amount of great matches that he's had with the amount of. Even with that time off, with that seven years off, uh, it's still what he's known I, I want to give you something here, though, too. And I know we're not, this isn't like, we love those matches, but it's not necessarily our forte. We won't go out of our way. No, usually. TLC matches are not my favorite matches. But did they not just set the bar too high? Has anybody they, been able to touch them? The <laughs> fact of the matter is, nobody has. 
No. To win, if you ask people what the best TLC match is, when we could do that top five. Let's do that sometime. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you, seventeen will still win the yeah. number one spot. Or a variation of Edge Christian versus the Dudleys and the Hardys. And we've seen other companies try to do it. We've seen other, and they're uh, fant- they're fantastic. Yeah, but I don't think any of them have the story, the setting, and just it's just. These and three and, teams for, how to work. and quite frankly, you've got three teams at that point that are up and coming teams that all are made from that match. Yeah. It's what other fun. match are six people made from more than that match? That being said, I said this would be the ultimate five through one. What a kind of comparison here. The emotion of Cody and Dustin or the match that set the bar higher than ever for a TLC. What do you pick? Personally? Yeah. Cody and Dustin. Just from a personal standpoint, to me, that meant so much to me watching those two. Mm-hmm. Not that it was a bigger match in the spectrum of things. Yes. Obviously, that TLC match is a bigger match in the spectrum of things. However, personally, just from an emotional standpoint and being a Rhodes fan and growing up, uh, watching that family grow up. I mean, I remember Dustin as an 18 year old kid on Saturday night's main event, for Christ's sakes. And now he's in his 50s. To be honest with you, I've got to go Rhodes with this yeah. one. This and, and, and it's nothing against the other one. It's just emotionally for me, which one connects with me. Yeah. Should take a vote for this. I also I prefer know. a classic wrestling match where Same. two people beat the shit out of each other over using tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh, my. I mean, these two beat the shit out of each other, too, obviously. But this yeah. is the fact that we can see Dustin still go at this level. Well, also, the emotional storyline that was told. About the dad too, just Dusty. Yeah, yeah the fans. And the fact that Dusty, unfortunately, because the WWF didn't pull the trigger on it, Dusty never got to see it. Two more questions about these two: Who had the better career? I think we're both going to say it's Edge at this point. Edge's main evented Mania. Edge's He's twelve-time world champion. I mean, yeah. it's nothing against him. I mean, nothing against Cody. Cody, just, Co- Cody just never was given those same chances. Right. And the sign. You got to remember how long was Cody in the WWE for? almost a decade he just wasn't given those same opportunities now that, that being said when you look at what cody does when he gets put into places like ring of honor world champion iwgp u.s champion nwa <laughs> champion like let's be clear not having edges career edges in like a five percentile right people that have had it's that ridiculous. career yeah. unless unless you're talking cena hogan austin that next level up unless you're talking that level there's not a lot of people in that. Um. Now, in a few years, <laughs> when we talk about what these two meant for the business, that could be different. Cody's Cody legacy and, might rely on the success it, of AEW. Well, here's the difference. Edge hasn't changed the business. No. The business is what the business was with Edge. Edge is not a changer to the business. Right. He is a part of the business, and he is a tremendous part of the business. He's not a game changer. Cody Rhodes and what they've done with AEW and what even what he did as a free agent when he left when he chose to leave the WWE become a free agent bet on himself go out there go around the world like the free agent that he did and then build AEW he is a game changer it, it, we're not going to piss some people off this week because we're going to agree but whatever i agree <laughs> because cody kind of set the precedent like he was the first guy that really started getting some traction for leaving and walked away from that big contract when and i say that i mean he was the first big guy to leave not to go to wcw but yeah. that he's gonna bet on himself yeah he didn't bet. leave when he left there was no other large federation right there was no there were other places to go he didn't yeah, do yeah. that 
he left and went and worked with everyone. You know, on that note, let's talk about Royal Rumble a little bit this weekend because it's funny. There's been some names batted around about potential people entering the Men's Royal Rumble. And Cody Rhodes is technically, as we found out, a free agent. That being said, I don't see this happening. Okay, so you don't think this is a good chance? No, God, no. Do you think we see a wrestler? We know Mickey James is going to be there. Do we see another impact wrestler or somebody possibly getting the Men's Rumble? So here's the funny thing. We got to be clear about something, too. While Cody Rhodes is a free agent as a wrestler, he is not a free agent when it comes to being an EVP. He right. is still under contract as an executive vice president right. for All Elite Wrestling. He, that, he is not completely free and clear. Can he go and wrestle there if he wanted to? Absolutely. But you're talking about literally an executive vice president. And WWE came out earlier this week and they were asked in an interview, one of the higher ups for WWE, what they thought of the product in AEW. Oh, yeah, I know. And they called it trash. And said that we don't aim towards that clientele. We don't aim towards that audience. Basically, they just made it sound like it's all trash and pointed fingers at the fact that women are bleeding and stuff of that nature, which I thought was sexist. Oh, women can't have a match where they can bleed. They don't have a right to beat the shit out of each other. And hey, you want to be sexist, WWE? You be sexist. Okay, well, staying on task here. <laughs> we don't think Cody's going to enter the role, but no. do you think we'll see maybe somebody from Impact? Uh, not besides Mickey. Will there be a men here? Or will there be somebody else from another organization in the Rumble? So I'm going to turn this on you. For Impact, who do you think, on the men's side, and we know who on the women's side would make a name, but who, who on the be- men's side would the WWF actually be interested in? Because I can only think of size-wise a couple guys who the WWE would actually be interested in or big enough names to actually put in the Royal Rumble. And Yeah, Moose is one of them. Maybe Morrissey, if they want to. uh, They could bring back Big Cass to do it. Yeah, obviously they would call him Big Cass if he came in. Mm-hmm. You could definitely see one of those two just because of their sheer size. But does anybody else have the big enough name other than maybe Zack Ryder? Well, that was the other one I was going to say. They would come back as Zack Ryder for this one spot. And actually, I'm going to throw one AEW name as a possibility. He won't go in probably, but I'm just going to throw it out there. If there's somebody on AEW who is going to be in the Rumble, it's Chris Jericho. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, But I don't think Chris Jericho has any interest in doing anything with the WWE. No, but he'd go on the Steve Austin show, and that was on Peacock, and WWE did promote Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But that's but I think now after this little interview. And that's the thing. He wasn't exactly kind on the interview. He was fine. I, think, I mean, I'm saying, though, with WWE making comments, too, about... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that might, you know, that might make... Tony Khan might not want to lend him out, you know? Yeah, and, and that might be a thing. I mean... I, let me ask you this, though. If you're AEW, if you're Impact, if you're any of these promotions, I guess maybe I'm mainly asking about AEW because Impact, absolutely. If WWE came to you and said, hey, we're willing to promote with you, why not take it? For AEW? Yeah, even AEW, why not? Because if you go and do that, it makes it look like you're lesser talent and it makes it look like you feel like you need the WWE to promote your wrestlers. AEW, I think right now, needs to actually stay away from that. They need to actually be their own entity and show, hey, we're on their level. Not only are we on their level, they put a show up against us and we whoop the shit out of them. Why? NXT. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and don't get me wrong. We know it's NXT. Yeah. But right now, at the end of the day, that not only did they beat NXT bad, they beat NXT so bad that everybody who ran that show is gone. That's a narrative, though, too, to a certain point, too, though. I mean... At the end of the day, 
Like Vince pulled the plug on that operation, and it's a shame. But not only did he pull the plug on it, he literally got rid of everybody who was responsible. Right. The only person left there is what Shawn Michaels. Yeah, and Hunter technically, but we don't know where Hunter is these days. Yeah, but he's out with freaking whatever heart ailment. We wish him well. Hope you're doing good. Who do you pick for the men's rumble right now? Gun to your head. This is tough, right? They haven't set anybody up. They haven't. Maybe I'll, I'll, tell, I'll make it easy. Is La- oh, I need to know. Is Lashley still going to be in the rumble? Biggie wins sure. the rumble, and I'm going to say the other one would be Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar maybe wins his match, enters the rumble, wins the rumble, and then challenges Roman for the belt for a unification match at this year's. And, yeah, it definitely could happen, and and that's the problem with picking a winner for the rumble. Yeah. is not knowing who's actually eligible to be in it. It I used know. to be easy because if you were a champion, you weren't eligible to be in it. Right. So therefore, that made it easy because All you the didn't rules have are to worry off. about this. Yeah, now that there's no actual rules to who can be in it, why not pick Roman Reigns? Maybe Roman Reigns doesn't. He wants to come over and win the Raw title. Who do you think's going to win gun to your head? I know we don't know, but just take a wild guess. All right, so I'm going to pick one favorite, and then I'm going to pick a dark horse. Okay. Because I think that they're trying to shove somebody down our throat right now. And I'm I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of his. My favorite to win it is actually Biggie. I think Biggie's might yeah. win it. The other one who might do it is, believe it or not, Seth Rollins still might actually, even mm-hmm. though he's got the match at Royal Rumble. I think he might also win the Royal Rumble. But my dark horse is fucking Damian Priest. Oh. For some reason, they are shoving Damian Priest down our throat each and every freaking week. The guy can barely work in the ring. His mic skills are atrocious. I cannot stand Damian Priest. I was going to say, all right, I'm going to say we don't see someone from the men's side on impact. I don't either. Yeah, okay. I think they want Mickey. There was a story there. I think they want to create the new narrative of Mickey coming in, then making amends, and her leaving without the garbage bags. They're whitewashing the history. I think, so let's get to the women's rumble. Now, you could see somebody from the NWA. If Mickey's coming, maybe you see Nick Aldis in the rumble. Yeah. Will we see somebody from another promotion in the men's rumble? How about that? Does NXT count? No, we'll see people from NXT. <laughs> if it was going to be anybody from another promotion, I really think the odds-on favorite would be Nick Aldis at this point. My guess is, I'll say we won't. I, think I don't think we will either. I'm yeah, saying if, if if I had to pick someone. They just someone. don't like to do it. It's I'm so shocked that we're still doing, we're getting Mickey. I'm, I can't believe it. But only because The only reason that they're willing to do it with Mickey is because they feel that they created Mickey. They created Mickey, and I think there's a story here, to which is why Mickey is a dark horse of mine. Despite working for a company, because this story Mickey could up. win it. Yeah, she comes back to revenge this. She goes to Mania. I could even see her putting the belt on, and then they they drop her out for Money in the Bank or something. But there's a story here to be told, and I kind of wonder the backstory about this because if you remember when this went down with her getting fired in the trash bag and other than that, Stephanie McMahon seemed legitimately upset about this situation, and she, I think. I had personally tweeted Mickey and kind of went to her. Mickey didn't seem too receptive at the time, but obviously we. Well, how receptive would you be if you were your stuff was left in a fucking garbage bag in the back door? I'm not. I'm not telling you <laughs> wrong. I, I get it. And Mickey has since said that they've apologized and we've made amends. And I, that yeah, especially since Mickey in her last run basically came in and made everybody that she worked with. Yeah, uh, but I will say my favorite to win it right now because again, I mean, and despite the fact they did that little thing with Lita and Charlotte, which Oh, no, not a fan. I don't know. I like Lita, but I don't see Lita in a world title situation. I, I say Belair is the favorite to win it right now. Lita, I, I love Lita. I think Lita is one of the best women. I think she helped build the women's originally, but she's long past her prime. When's the last time she's actually worked regularly? 
and to come in and work at the level that Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, that those guys work at is not something you can just be off for 10 years and do. Agreed. Who's your favorite to win it? I got Bel Air as a favorite. I, I think Bel Air wins it, and then I think it's Bel Air versus Becky at WrestleMania. Yeah. I think Mickey James is our dark horse, though. Yeah, absolutely. See, I can actually – it's a dark horse that could happen. Yeah. No, do I you have a dark see, horse for the men's? I'm not, like, happy – like, I'm not crazy about it. That's why I'm a fan. But I, Lita also is a dark horse, too, by the way. Just because oh, absolutely. They, did that, they did that thing with Charlotte. Yeah, and, really and, and they changed plans and flew her in to do that thing with Charlotte. Yeah, so that's that, kind of interesting. But do you, Alexa Bliss could be a dark horse too, especially with everything that's going on right now yeah. for her to get another shot at, at freaking Charlotte at I WrestleMania. Agree. That being said, do you have a dark horse for the men's? Yeah, <laughs> Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah. I think he just shows up. Baddest man, on the, baddest man in the Federation. He's my dark horse. <laughs> okay. You want a real dark horse then? You want yeah. someone like who would be a big Dude, I picked Damian Priest as a dark horse. If okay, that's not a dark right, horse. I'll match you. I'll match you. Braun Breaker. That oh, that's a good one. Comes up out of nowhere. You did a good job of talking to the crowd this week at NXT too, because a lot of them were saying so Another good guy, for Braun Baker. I'd like to see in the men's rumble now that we're backtracking a little bit, would be Gunther, aka Walter. I hate oh, that. I would name. I would who who's in your research department that doesn't realize that this is an actual Nazi villain from World War II. Oh, you want to talk about this? Let's go. Just were were they watching sad. Texas wrestling? Were they watching old Fritz von Eric stuff? We're like, you know what would really pay off today? Nazis. Let's use the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the big world title matches. His Seth versus Roman. I'm glad they brought Seth in. You ain't going over Roman. This is Roman all day. I love Seth right now. I think Seth's character is fantastic. I don't know how entertaining you find it. It's a but little I'm weird. We're going to do a heel versus heel. And the other match is kind of a tweener versus tweener, by the way. Well, the funny thing is, is Seth is still so far full-blown heel right. on Raw, but he's been playing the baby face on SmackDown. Yeah. So it's not every time in the same federation that you can play face and heel. <laughs> <laughs> but we got Roman, right? This has got to be Roman. I think Roman's going over. Yeah. I heard something. Ro Roman's got to have the belt until WrestleMania. He's got to. I got Lesnar over Lashley, but this one wouldn't surprise me as much as Seth. I think Lashley has a shot. If Lashley goes over, Brock enters your pick, Brock Lesnar, is winning the Royal Rumble, right. and we're getting Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I agree. I agree. But I'm going to say Brock retains. How about Becky Lynch and Dewdrop in? All right. Final match. Yeah, Becky Lynch, Dewdrop in. Becky. It's not. I like Dewdrop normally. Piper Niven is fantastic. And if they let her make a good showing, this will be a great match. But at the end of the day, Becky's the bigger star. And has been booked as such. It's interesting to me because it's the first time that I can really think of that with that much of a size difference that the heel is going to be the little one. So it's kind of intriguing there. But it, it's definitely a hell of a match. I will say I'll close with this, though. In terms of who I want to win, if I have my win. Oh, you want to drop. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm talking about this whole card. Who I want to win more than anybody, I would want Mickey James to get that win if I could pull this off somehow. More than anybody? That's tough. I, I would like to see Mickey James win. But to be honest with you, the person who I would like to see win more than anybody is somebody like a Sami Zayn or mm -hmm. a Kevin Owens. We, I would we love have one more match, actually. Mixed tag. Edge oh, yeah. and Beth Phoenix versus Maurice and Miz. I'm going to go with Edge and Beth, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. I think it's going to be Edge and Beth. I think they're setting up for before WrestleMania. I think at some point you're going to see Edge and Beth versus Becky and... Seth oh, Rollins. I'd be happy if Beth ended up entering the Rumble in one. Beth could. 
I wouldn't be upset about that at all. No, absolutely not. But Beth is freaking, she looks as in as good a shape as ever. But I, anybody who knows Beth Phoenix knows that she's in the gym all the freaking time. It's a working fans podcast. We gave you plenty today. You're welcome. You know why? Because we do the work so you don't have to. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the numbers 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, like, divide the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Fans, welcome back for Working Fans Podcast, episode 130. Today, we have a very special interview for you. As always, we are brought to you by the Pro Wrestling Vault, volume one, Written by Vinnie Berry, 35 short stories across the wrestling landscape, available at WrestleVille.com and LanceByChance.com. This book was written by the man who also wrote Lance by Chance, Wrestling is a Von Eric, where Kevin Vaughn becomes Lance Von Eric and then settles into being Lance Vaughn. This is an amazing book. If you think his story inside the wrestling industry is interesting, his life outside of it is way more interesting. And speaking of interesting, today we have a very special guest. He established the record label Striving for Togetherness Records, who released Vision of Disorder's earliest recordings, a band I'm a big fan of. He is the host of The Kevin Gill Show. He was featured in the NYHC documentary that came out in 1995. He was a part of Rockstar Games before they were Rockstar Games. He's been a part of Eidos Interactive. He is currently a commentator for GCW. He's been on the road to the Hammerstein. And on Sunday, it will not only be Kevin Gill on GCW, but the whole fucking world on GCW. We are here with your boy, OG Kevin Gill. Kevin, I am sorry I can't be around for this interview because I could sit here talking to you about hardcore music and video games way before we got to the wrestling, but I'm going to hand the interview off to the man they call Dave, and we're going to talk about wrestling, video games, and of course, GCW at the Hammerstein Ballroom this Sunday. I'm getting choked up because it's available on Fight TV. It's available on regular pay-per-view, and we are going to get into it with Kevin. Dave, take it away. And I damn well will. <laughs> awesome. He was excited. Shit, you know we're going to get into GCW because that's the big thing going on, but he touched on a bunch of stuff there. First off, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. It's great to be here, to be among the working people, the people that make wrestling possible. You know what I mean? Without, without fans like you guys who then go above and beyond, not just to support the events, but to create a platform and to create content and a community around this thing we all love. So in absence of a Pabst, allow me to cheers this carbonated Arnold Palmer to you guys and all the working fans. (laughs) 
video games. You got your hands in a few different things. So why don't we talk about some of the other stuff? Get a little background here. Sure. I started out, I was always a big fan of music and video games and wrestling. There were like three, three passions in my life just as a fan, as someone who would just absorb these products and be mesmerized by them and etc. Music gave me my first opportunity to go from just being a fan of it to getting to know bands and getting bands booked for events and getting them booked on bigger shows to then being like, well, why can't these bands have records out? And then how does that work? And how can I distribute records? How can I put out records? And then how do you market records? How do you brand them? How do you, how do you do every, you know, every part of it? How do you announce them and build the demand? And so I got, I got to do that with a lot of great bands. Like he mentioned Vision of Disorder, but uh, also uh, like Shutdown, 25 to Life, District 9, Neck, the criminally underrated Neck, Six and Violence, Romantic Gorilla, No Redeeming Social Value. There was a lot. We did. We stopped at the 19th record and uh, we had a 20th one that I wish we had just put out. Mm -hmm. But it was a like a sampler called The Future of Music. And it was a taste of a bunch of stuff we were working on and like kind of a greatest hits of the catalog at a very nice price as an introduction, a reintroduction for some to the label. But what's interesting is doing all that stuff and just learning from the ground up how to how to do everything, every part of marketing and PR and branding and promotion and running live concerts and things like that. That led to me, my super fan knowledge of video games led to a chance meeting with Sam Hauser, who went on to start Rockstar Games. And he and I hit it off really well. And he offered me a position with his upstart company. Didn't have a name yet at the time, but he felt strongly he wanted me on the team. I didn't know if I was going to be a, a brand person or a producer until the day I started. And they didn't know either. They were just like, oh, we're, you know, we'll see which one we're going to do. And they went with brand. So I got to run with the ball there and uh, in a startup operation. You know what I mean? Anything. I give them a lot of credit, one, for giving me such a huge opportunity. And two, they were the kind of people that if you had an aptitude for something, you know, because I had never, for example, edited trailers, you know, for buy, you know, for buyers or for the press or the public and things like that. But once they put me in a studio with someone else who was doing it, by the end of the day, I was suggesting shots and transitions mm -hmm. and things. And then after the first day, the original rocks, you know, the one of the British guys, Jamie King, he didn't come back anymore to the studio. He's just like, all right, studio's handled because KG's there he could go do something else. You know what I mean? So anything you gravitated towards, they kind of encouraged you because they also needed people to to run with a couple of different balls. So that led to me being able to talk to the press and stuff a lot. They would use me to pitch the games to the press and to buyers and things like that. So that was kind of like the talking and and schmoozing part and pitching things part and putting things over. The music stuff, the background in that got me the shot in video games. I worked at Rockstar for a few years, went out to IDOS and did the backyard wrestling games, mm -hmm. but also worked on Hitman and Tomb Raider. And I mean, you know, all these companies, they have the big games they're known for, but there's a lot, a lot of other games <laughs> that also come out. Like I've worked, yeah, well, maybe 150 games. I'm not even sure. Yeah how many games I'm credited on. But all that stuff is fucking awesome. You know what I mean? And while doing that and working on the Backyard Wrestling games, I mean, I had dabbled with stuff before. Like when I was doing the record label, we did New York hardcore music, but I started to use a lot of wrestling, I, you know, iconic iconography 
and imagery and stuff in our ads and and things like that. And uh, ECW came about in came onto my worldview at that time in like 1996. So I started going to ECW religiously while running the record label. Like ECW was my outlet, you know what I mean. And from that, I got to interview some of the ECW people for a Philadelphia-based music magazine called All That Magazine, and later it was called Chord Magazine or vice versa. But I interviewed like Two Cold Scorpio, Bill Alfonso, Terry Funk, and a few others, Stevie Richards. So all that shit was super, super cool. And uh, oh, classy Freddie Blassie as well, rest mm. in peace. So all those opportunities, then working on the Backyard Wrestling video game led to me just working directly with a lot of wrestlers because I put together who were the wrestlers in the game and what were the, I put together the soundtracks for the games. So that led to me getting opportunities. Uh, the ICP guys hired me to be a referee for their company, despite the fact that I had never refereed before. But from several all night conversations about wrestling, they felt that I would be a great referee. So I studied tape for a few weeks. We hung out in a bar the day before the show, like Vampiro and ICP and Man Man Pondo. And they mostly just taught me to lock up and a few other things. There wasn't too much, and we were in a bar, but there wasn't too much ref training. But I watched, like I said, I watched a ton of tape and I got to work and watch with a lot of great refs. So I just kept upping my game and I started taking bookings on the California independents just to keep sharpening and enhancing my skills to stay sharp for the you know the music festivals they would do and the wrestling tours they would do. So I definitely put in my time and years on the, on the ref front and you know that led to commentary opportunities ultimately and that that's what i that's where i'm at now <laughs> talking about commentary and all that i gotta ask then you know you hooked up with icp were you i'm assuming you were but i'll just ask a fan of the strangle mania vhs oh my tapes? god yeah dude <laughs> the strangle mania tapes came into my life at the same time mm. that ecw came into my life so they were part and parcel like of like a major major influence and inspiration like i watched strangle mania like thousands of times and i've told the story but i mean i would bring strangle mania with me play like anywhere i was going a bar someone's house whatever it would just be in my backpack because if there was an opportunity to play it it would be played you know what <laughs> i mean and everyone who saw it was always complete like wrestling fans non-wrestling fans it didn't matter who it was between the insane action and the fucking genius commentary mm. it was just the ultimate presentation i got somehow i got that at the record label i had an intern named tom natalie and he you know obviously was a college student and worked at his college radio station and all that and at the college station they had got an, an advanced vhs of strangle mania i guess sent to them somehow and then he just brought it directly to me so i had it before it even came out and was like yeah so that was incredible and then getting to meet and know and work with those guys and you know like be invited to their weddings and be guests in their homes and travel all over the world with them you know what i mean it, it's crazy to go from that was the other thing like when ecw was my outlet when i was running the record label icp and that stuff became my outlet in in like the, the towards the end of the record label and into the the rockstar games era you know what i mean right. and when you see a few years ago they did in grand theft auto they had these juggalo characters in the game like they had a character that was exactly the same as shaggy two dope in terms of you know his hair and his face paint and everything and they used it on marketing campaigns and stuff and i mean that I sat down with Sam Hauser and all those guys. I played Stranglemania for them more than once. They were fascinated with my fascination with ICP. You know what I mean? And it's funny that that seed 
remained planted and made it all these years later into one of the Grand Theft Auto games. You know what I mean? It's wild. It's spoken into existence. It's crazy. Yeah. To this day, me personally too, I still with non wrestling fans will use the phrase I'm handling wrestling business just because like, yeah. so, there's so many good lines in that. What was I going to say real quick? Damn, I just had a funny, uh, interesting note about that. Maybe it'll come back to me. There's a lot. We'll, we'll see. You know, one thing I want to ask you about too, PMA. What is sure. That? PMA, positive mental attitude philosophy invented by or at least first c- concepted by and put into written form by Napoleon Hill in a his book to think think and grow rich it's a it's a great read and his message permeated into the hardcore and punk scene back in the day through the bad brains primarily who put it out there as a mantra and in their music and as kind of their their soul force part of their soul force if you will and uh bands like leeway kept the torch going as the crossover into metalcore and hardcore you know crossover and all that and then the homies H2O, they to me then are the modern, the modern masters uh, of PMA, like Toby Morris and uh, the band and all the stuff they do and what they represent. It's just, it's a great, like just injection of, of positivity, but that's kind of a, a pop culture over, overview of it. But it, it's simply just the f- philosophy of, you know, you talked about earlier talking things into existence and whatever. And I'm a dude that moved out of his house at 17 years old and has gotten to work in every industry that he's ever wanted to and worked alongside my heroes. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you put in the work and you have the right attitude, anything is possible. And a lot of people see the world through a negative filter. So PMA is just the idea that, yeah, times are going to be hard. Times are going to be tough. There's not everything's going to be great. It doesn't mean that if people are going to insult and degrade you, that you're supposed to be like positivity, bro. You know what I mean? I like to say PMA or fuck off, you know, but (laughs) just simply put, it's just to keep a positive outlook, to keep a positive mental attitude in mind. And it also ties, I think, into things that have been popular in years past, things like The Secret and all these different things. They all come back to the same thing. The power of, a, of thought is, an, is an, an incredible power, and the power of positive thought is very compelling, I feel, in the universe. And it sounds like some new age shit, but I'm sitting here doing an interview with you. Do you know what I mean? And that, that, there's been many times in my life that all I had was that. All you could do is keep a positive mental attitude because maybe you don't have food for the week or maybe you're not sure if you could pay your rent or you're not sure of all these different things that could be happening, health issues, whatever. But underneath it all, you know what I mean? It, it's possible. And as you know, a lot of people have done it, have been powered back through from great adversity through that simple concept. You know what I mean? So I try to embrace it the best I can, especially in this in this fucking world, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge, dude. I'm going to get into that a little bit, too, because I want to ask something um, as we get into wrestling. But one last non-wrestling question here. You got a hot sauce out right now, too. Oh, Let's man. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm so honored, man. The homies at uh, Snack Season Sauces, Rich Steve and company, they do an amazing job, and they've, they've found a... a, a an opening in the market and uh, I'll tell, tell it like it is for a compelling array of hot sauces that are so dope. And I'm so used to the boutique, you know, boutique hot sauce world of just being a level of one upsmanship of this is so hot. It'll make your eyes hurt. Oh, this one will make your asshole explode. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I don't, I'm not, I have no interest in that. You know what I mean? But, but snack season does, they do hot stuff, but they do a whole array of, everything in between and it's the crossover of the popular flavors like instead of it oh what is it oh this is a whatever a dynamite fucking pepper what does it taste like it tastes like crushed up dynamite pepper where he'll do like or invites honey mustard 
or Jimmy Lloyd's, you're fucking with a different soy, soy sauce. Mine is the What Up Del Buffalo, a tribute to the great Buffalo region of New York and the incredible sauce that I feel like is the number one sauce as far as an American creation. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, my opinion, like Mexican style hot sauce beats Louisiana hot sauce or any of that stuff 10 times, 10 times a week, twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday. But to have all those other sauces in there and Buffalo is like, to me, the, the ultimate sauce. And it, it's whether it's on seafood, on salad, on vegetables, tofu, what, chicken, whatever you want to do. And that it's not designed to burn out your taste buds. It's just meant to have some kick to it and be a new take on an old favorite. But he also has great sauces. Effie has a sauce over there at Snack Season. Bussy, the dynamic combination of Effie and Alley Catch, they have a bussy, like a lavender-based hot sauce dessert. It's more of a dessert for dessert purposes. Mm. Oh, but, you know, use it how you want to use it. But just an amazing array of stuff over there, and I'm honored, and I'm sure there's a bunch of sauces I'm not thinking of, but those are some of my favorites of the ones I've had. And my first pressing is sold out. I think they're about to be at Hammerstein Ballroom. I think it's the first time they'll be available. And then from there, I hopefully there's enough demand that we can do uh, more additions and maybe down the line, more flavors. I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's going to be a good weekend now. Obviously, you know, commentator for GCW. I guess one of the things I want to ask you before we start talking about this weekend, like Jim Ross was always a guy I always heard was like, you know, he doesn't like to know anything beforehand or as little as possible. Are you, what's your prep? Are you similar in that regard or? Uh, 100%. I love to not know. And GCW does a great job of, of letting me not know for the most part. Once in a while, anything can happen, whether it's travel arrangements or all kinds of things can lead to you potentially finding something out. So the, some of the biggest moments, or really all of the biggest moments in GCW history, these viral moments from the last 12 to 18 months of incredible surprises and reveals and dramatic returns and all this shit, I had no fucking idea. And I'm there all day in the back with everyone. When there are special people, they're hidden. They're sometimes in separate buildings or have a, a separate room and they're kept in a in a, a, a gimmick that you can't even see who it is. Like it, it's wild that they take it to that extreme, but I love it because a surprise isn't a surprise if everyone knows it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And whether it's a surprise or just the show itself, you know what I mean? Like the, Re, you're you're re, you're reacting to what's there and 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 putting it through that filter of what the audience is thinking or wondering about and then accentuating the stuff they they might need to know about you know what i mean and and with the energy and a passion that keeps the keeps the whole thing flowing you uh touched on something too a little while ago i wanted to get to um we talked about positive thinking in this messed up world and what that <laughs> made me think of was is it a total just almost like fucking mind fuck to think covid where you guys you know what you're gonna do it's you know what are we gonna do what are we gonna do and here we are at the beginning of 2022 like holy shit <laughs> yeah and in some ways obviously a lot has changed and then in some ways a lot of stuff is still the same do you know mm -hmm. what i mean the good news is is that it's seemingly now approved by all municipalities state city local federal whatever for people to travel and do stuff as long as they take certain precautions so everyone has to assess their own risk and make their own decisions and you know you see so many people have gotten it in this in the december and january wave that you know who knows between that and vaccinations Maybe that helps lead to more of a herd immunity thing. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but it seems that if everyone gets something and everyone gets through it seemingly in two to four or 
whatever days and a lot of people have mild symptoms maybe in a way we're we're conquering it do you know what i mean by at least if you can beat it that easily then maybe you're building up your own immunity to it i don't know but it's crazy but here we are you know what i'm saying and, and we ha everyone has to still somehow live and survive but also to be to be able to escape from that reality is valuable beyond words you know i just think too from a business standpoint to be where you're not sure where you're going and now hammerstein ballroom saturday a uh, sunday just amazing you know that's got to be po a lot of positive attitudes probably went into <laughs> keeping this thing going <laughs> right and just to have the vision like brett lauderdale did to even in all this chaos in the world he was able to create and plot a strategy for safely running events through the the pandemic through extremely distance and limited attendance events like wide open outdoor events it was a blueprint other wrestling companies used from television companies on down to be able to try to bring experiences to their to their audiences and to, to to keep to start that and then build this massive momentum like you said in this in this difficult time and then do the whole road to hammerstein and now we're like you know hours away so to speak days away yeah. it's crazy to think about and that it's a it's not even like oh i hope a lot of people show up like it sold out in like 36 hours you know what i mean i think you said something there too i was kind of just like talking about like you know you're going to these different places like i don't know if you guys get the credit for like a touring company that you are like you're everywhere yeah like it seems like the wrestling press i think they're getting better at it now especially but for the amount of shows gcw runs the locations that they run the audience that's in attendance the audience that's watching at home it's hard to imagine not covering gcw for what it is rather than being constrained to the idea of if it's not on some extremely limited and barely watched tv platform that it doesn't exist as a product it, it's baffling because if you look at any of the metrics it would it would sure seem like gcw has much more of a fan base and a, a draw and people that are engaged and active in viewing the product than other products do that have bigger platforms you know what i mean yeah absolutely we talked about this like, little fantasy i don't know what you would think this we a friend just that are fans and it's like you know because of the product you deliver like you know what 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 major company tv company would pick them up but i always thought man wouldn't it be something if like and I don't know if this would work out, but like like an HBO Max or something where you could just still be yourself. Sure. Get distribution. I'd really be curious just to see because you guys do have all this momentum. And I don't know if it gets noticed sometimes enough as it should. Yeah. Like I know that Brett Lauderdale, the you know, the guy who runs GCW, yeah. he's been on the record as saying fairly recently that he felt that like TV wasn't the answer or something that that he's working towards or whatever. I know obviously he's open to whatever, you know, to considering anything, but I, I agree with you in that idea. Like the conventional idea of TV where every Saturday morning, you right. know, GCW is going to tell this 14 week story or whatever. I don't think that would be a benefit, but a four times a year special on HBO Max, a monthly special on Netflix, you know what I mean? Almost or, like a big time fight, like an HBO Boss Showtime, that kind of feel. Like right, right. Time, yeah. Like a, a special special events and things that because this is a wrestling product that is, has crossed over, it, it's reinvigorated lapsed fans. It brings new fans in like that have never attended wrestling shows before. And it has the benefit of being in an ecosystem where there are companies like AEW that have a great compelling product. They have a great compelling platform, incredible roster, and they're out in the world. Just them being there educates fans to 
there's more to wrestling than just a WWE product. Like, so even if fans had no idea, they become way more open to other products and ideas once they've seen AEW because, and then in some cases they're seeing people like Joey Janela and John Moxley that are on, on both of the shows, you know what I mean? So it's a great, it's a great doorway and companies like ring of honor, obviously doing their thing and having their titles represented on these shows. I think it represents a great, even if it's just in the spirit of cooperation, even if there's not any sort of formal arrangements between anyone, just to have that spirit of cooperation and call it brotherhood or having the ability to lend a helping hand and everyone wins, like the tide raises all ships. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone's hurt by the entire life's blood of the future of television wrestling, which has always been and always will be having a strong and vibrant and diverse independent wrestling scene because no one delivers stars to television like independent wrestling does. No matter how many models and Instagram influencers and other people are signed, and some of those people will go on to do great things in wrestling, but percentage-wise and et cetera, you know, that's my opinion. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, you want the people in independent because they're the ones that are passionate normally and are going <laughs> to put everything into it. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, already been putting everything into right. it. Right. <laughs> Fully ready to go. Just in your opinion, the greatest time in terms of talent trading and lending out wrestlers that I, I don't think, I mean, you'd have to go way back in the territory days, but this is overall for cooperation. Yeah, to me, I think it's unprecedented. Yeah, you could, I think back in the territory days, it's a different thing in a way. Right. But if you were local in those markets, you saw your place as the place and then the other people would come through. So there was obviously a huge sharing thing that went on between like the NWA people and all that, or, you know, Mid-Atlantic and everyone coming through and going places. But yeah, what's going on now, I, I think is unprecedented because you have you have New Japan talent. You have Ring of Honor talent, Game Changer Wrestling talent. There's Impact Wrestling talent out there. You know what I mean? There's so much talent out there doing their thing, AEW talent. And I think it just, it benefits It benefits the industry. It makes new stars. And the fans win in, in the biggest way possible because these dream scenarios and dream matches just continue to unfold organically. And a lot of times they're driven by they're driven by two forces, the wrestler's desire to have that match in, you know, both cases and the fans desire to see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> th th those are the two forces rather than telling the audience what they want or telling them that what they want is wrong. Imagine giving them what they want. It's fucking insane. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, but stick with yeah. me. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, though, even to your point, too, like how this benefits, like I'll say in unfortunately, you know, we don't know what's going on with Ring of Honor. Right. And we hope that they do great. But like Jonathan Gresham. To yeah. me now is a bigger star because oh, he's yeah, showing I up think with so. that Ring of Honor belt, and that belt is suddenly like more. It's come like the traveling NWA World Title. He's an Impact. He's in you know GCW. He's everywhere. It's like what? and de de defending it against top top tier yeah. talent and building to this huge match at Hammerstein, and yeah, and the legacy of Ring of Honor at Hammerstein, and and having Ian Riccoboni come in for commentary on that match. All of that is just very special, and it's a great tribute, and it's great that Ring of Honor will be back in April, and I look yeah. forward to seeing what they deliver. But yeah, I, I think it's just magical. You know what I mean? Because it's a, it's. I understand for a long time it made total sense to be very restrictive about everything, but I. I think in this new age and new era, it makes a lot more sense just to be cooperative in a, in a sense, especially in mutually beneficial ways. Absolutely. Now, let's anything you want to promote or uh, anything else you want to talk about, floor is yours, man. 
Sure. I just, I'm about to release a new t-shirt that uh, Sai Ozawa from Japan uh, drew for me and Powerbomb Prints printed up. It's fucking stunning. I'm, uh, later today, I'm going to be putting up a, a, like a reveal trailer of it and putting it on sale on my site. I'll also have them in New York. So if anyone wants to support me like that, please do. My website is dignifiedbastard.com. Additionally, I would encourage everyone to please check out patreon.com slash Game Changer Wrestling. We do a lot of great content on there. The official Game Changer Wrestling podcast is exclusive to it. Myself and Brett Lauderdale take questions for hours every episode and give them all back to the Patreon community exclusively. There's the World of Deathmatch with Alex Colon and Stephen A. There's the World of Deathmatch newsletter. The TJ and Friends unprecedented, like behind the scenes uh, video access to the talent and alternative uh, camera angles of the events and things like that. Early access to ticket on sales, exclusive merch. It's it's a whole thing going on, and a lot of what's uh, happening is uh, due in great part to our great Patreon community. So we encourage you to join it at any level you can. And then, of course, GCWmerch.com is the official GCW merch hookup. Shout out to our friends from Orange Crush. Shout out to Paps. And shout out to me, your boy KG, at OG Kevin Gill on all social media. And shout out to our friends at Middle Kingdom Wrestling, who recently made history working with the governments of China and Japan to promote a series of wrestling events to promote kind of a, a global, what would be the right word? To create kind of, hmm, I want to I choose my words very carefully here. Let's see. So Middle Kingdom Wrestling and the State, State Department of the United States and the government of China all teamed up to bring a series of pro wrestling events to China in the spirit of just opening up the doors of communication and opening up the spirit of, of people. You know what I mean? We're all people at the end of the day and people enjoying things together and using the art of professional wrestling to bring the people together and to build a bond on something like that is so cool. And I'm honored that the shows uh, just were run uh, live in China over the last few days. And then I'm going to be doing commentary in post-production on that. I would have loved, loved to have been there to do it. But with the Hammerstein and everything, it was not possible. So I will be doing it in post. And you can check out Middle Kingdom Wrestling on YouTube. And they're doing great things in China, bringing regular wrestling events, homegrown talent, you know, training people out there. And it's great just to see that flag of wrestling taken around the world as a way of bringing people together. There you go. And this Sunday, the world on GCW. 8 p.m. is the main show, Fight TV, and on regular pay-per-view. So Yep, and that out. kickoff, the kickoff event starts, I believe, right, right around 7. Yeah. And uh, you're not going to want to miss that. A lot of great talent is going to be seen in that first hour. So make sure you tune in at 7 and get, uh, get acquainted with the world on GCW. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 